Welcome everyone to the Reignite Your Passion podcast. Here's Andrea and today our guest is Dr. Laura Jimenez. Welcome, Laura. Hello, thank you. Thank you for coming here and uh, how are you today? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Where are you right now? Where are you based? I am in Washington State. How is living in Washington State? Um, living here is, it's good. I really, I'm originally from Nebraska, so we get a lot of snow and this is much more calm. We get maybe a few inches, a few days a year. Okay. <laughs> uh, lots to do outside. So I do a lot of hiking and, um, lakes and beaches. And so it's nice. Nice. Give us a little bit of, um, uh... A background of yourself. I was born in Nebraska and I um, always was interested in um, science and medicine, but I thought I was going to go into pharmacy. Um, and I tried to get into pharmacy school for a total of six times. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like, really wearing me down but at the same time kind of how this pertains to passion I was very passionate about the fact that people were being you know they would arrive to the pharmacy they didn't know what they were taking why they were taking it um and the insurance companies were mandating what the patient would take a lot of times whatever the doctor wrote that wasn't even what people were getting mm-hmm. and so I was I was really fired up about it. I was really upset about it. It was really sad to see like kids on ADD medications. And um, so when I learned about naturopathic medicine, it was, um, it was a breath of fresh air to think that we could support people in a different way. And a lot of the things they thought about plants and vitamin, you know, uh, my, my, grandfather was a shaman and so he worked with plants and herbs Mm. and so I grew up my mom grew up giving us you know tons of different types of plants and herbs when we were sick and so I just grew up that way and so it was it was really exciting to be part of to to learn about this type of medicine and to feel like I could be part of the solution and not a part of the problem that was it was really cool and then I went to medical school and that was crazy. And um, it was exciting though, you know, cause I got to learn how to help people heal. And that's something I don't know if in general people think is possible. So then uh, I got out of medical school. Now I've been practicing for 10 years. So I really, I really felt a huge calling to support women because I feel like we're mis- misunderstood and not listened to and kind of brushed off. And so, um, and I experienced that myself uh, in the medical field, even in the naturopathic medical field. I remember I was pregnant and miserable and no one would touch me with a 10 foot pole because everything's so dangerous for a pregnant woman. And as I've practiced, I realized it's so much easier to work with pregnant women than they make it out to be 
that's that's kind of what inspires me now. Great. So so is that your passion? It is. It really is. It's like to to be able to to support a woman to make her feel like she's being heard and then also support her in a way to make her feel good is so important to me. It's a huge mm-hmm. passion for me. Okay. So you are right now a naturopath? Yes. Okay. What is a naturopath? So I specialize in um, preventative medicine, and I use things like herbs, nutrition, and um, vitamins to help people get back to health. Mm. If we can support the body, then the body will heal itself. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's the story behind uh, becoming a naturopath? Like specifically, if you could bring, bring up any story of yours. It was kind of this whole pharmacy story. Like I, but you know, another thing that really fueled my, my passion for it was, oh, you mean the story behind naturopathic medicine in general? No, 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 no. Your own experience about it. My own experience. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So I, I did really relate to the fact that like we could use plant medicine to help people. And um, I had a huge calling and a, and a huge, I had a lot of intuition about it. When I started working with people, um, I would, I would think about like 15 different herbs that could help them with stress. Right. But I would kind of really get the flavor of a person after talking to them and I could pick out maybe two or three. And that was something that like, that also like really fuels me as well. Um, because these herbs, I really feel like herbs, they're so intelligent. Like they're not like medicine, you know, it's like you take Advil and it stops inflammation. There's like one mechanism of action. But if you took, if you took an herb like mint, so simple, but it has probably five or six different actions and every person who takes it won't have the same reaction because your body gets to choose wow. how that interacts with your body. So it's always so interesting. And um, it's, it's very like, uh, yeah, it's, it's super curious and interesting to see how plants um, will help people and which plants I intuitively can feel for a person when I'm sitting with them. So, I mean, like, based on what you're saying, um, let's say if I get a supplement of a herb, so it actually change is um, effectiveness on a different person. It's true. That's why some people will say this plant, you know, this herb didn't work for me at all it was probably not the right herb for you mm, that's why that's why exactly even on the yeah, re- so reviews yeah reviews on amazon when i get supplement some people just oh, say yeah. it just doesn't work i was like what yeah yeah and you, you look at the reviews you're like how can they be so different like one person right. say this changed my life right right right, right. And another exactly. person said this is worthless 
that's interesting. If you could go a little bit deeper, let's say when while you're working with the clients, how does it work exactly, naturopath? Mm-hmm. So um, I sit down with a with a patient, and I spend anywhere between, like on a first visit, I would spend anywhere between um, forty and sixty minutes to really get their their history. Mm. what kind of things um, they're concerned about and looking at their whole body system. I'm looking at, you know, how does their digestion work? What kind of foods do they eat? Um, Their family history. And, um, and as I'm doing that, I always call that first visit my, um, my data day, because I'm just collecting all this data, this information. Um, And at the same time, trying to start connecting the dots, you know, like this is definitely connected to that. And that's definitely connected to this. And then I order labs um, looking at the, you know, depending on what kind of symptoms they have, I will sit down and um, order labs looking for like nutrient deficiencies or food sensitivities. Mm, It's a big one. Yeah. Uh, cholesterol levels, thyroid levels, hormone levels. So I'm doing a lot of uh, just investigating, trying to figure out the underlying cause to their concerns. Nice. Beautiful. You feel, uh, you seem very, very passionate about it. Yeah. Why are you so passionate about that? Why? You know, because this is the thing is that people especially now, I think it's even getting worse now, but people are out here and they're not feeling well. And they go to the doctor, they're seen for about five minutes and the doctor hands them a prescription for a medication. Mm, And sometimes they're just written off completely like, Oh, you'll be fine. This will go away. It's not going to cause any problems for you. And it's like, well, why did the person wouldn't have come into the doctor's office if it wasn't causing any problems for them. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to be able to provide that hope for someone and then to actually see it. For example, I had a woman who is 77 and she was written off by the doctor. She's diabetic and she's pretty much like she lost her vision because of the diabetes. And she was just written off. Doctors are like, this is it. You're just going to be on insulin for the rest of your life. We can't do anything about this. And in the matter of six months, I have her levels already down below pre-diabetic levels. And I go, it's time for us to start thinking about taking out the insulin. And she literally was so ecstatic. She couldn't stop shaking. Like she was just, she never thought that it could even be possible. And to be able to to put that hope, not only to put the hope in someone, but for, for them to see, look, it works. We support the body. We eat healthy things right? We can reverse these diseases. We can improve the body's ability to, to heal itself. How important is hope and belief that they can actually heal? Oh, that's huge. It's huge because I've definitely had people who have simple, like diabetes is kind of complicated, but I've had people with simple diseases But if they come in, they sit down and they're like, this is, they have no hope that it's going to get better. They won't get better. Right. I could throw a magic pill at them. 
you know, the cure all, and they will not get better. It's incredible. I've heard somewhere that um, a study showed that the actual patient becomes really sick and we start getting sick when the doctor tells them that they're sick. Mm. As well, I mean, of course, they they for, for sure they are sick, but um, but yeah, when they start to feel worse, once the doctor obviously confirmed that they're sick, yeah, yeah. We actually a- in in my profession we call it a in yeah in my profession we actually call it a nocebo. So there's you've heard of placebo, right? Mm-hmm. It's where you you tell something you tell somebody that they're get, gonna get better from this pill. But it's actually nothing, right? Well, nocebo is the opposite. You tell someone they're never going to get better or they have some terminal disease or they have a certain amount of time to live. And it does the same thing, but opposite, right? They become sicker. They die faster because they believe it. Just because they believe it. Right. I saw that you help women to have a healthy period. What is it? an unhealthy period and its disadvantages? Yes. So a a healthy period would be a a cycle that lasts for 28 days. And it should be men. You shouldn't have symptoms before your period. Uh, You shouldn't. It should be fairly. uh, Even when we get close to our period, uh, there is an amount of cramping that should happen because a part of having a period, we release hormones that are inflammatory. And so there should be minimal amount of like lower abdominal cramping. Uh, A normal cycle would last, a period would last between five and seven days. And then it should be over. Um, So when women say that they have headaches or migraines before their period, that's a definite sign that there's a hormone imbalance. If they have severe cramping, I, I've had a lot of women who like stay home. Can you imagine 20 years of their life? They stayed home two days before their period. Every like, wow. it's incredible. Um, so yes, cramping, headaches, um, mood changes, um, periods that last longer than seven days or cycles that are shorter than 25 days or longer than 35 days mm-hmm. are all abnormal. That's, that, that's all abnormal. Women should not be feeling horrible every month. That's interesting because it seems like to be the norm. Right. It's very common. And right. most women do experience it. Right. Right. But it's not normal. So it's not normal. And what do you do to... What do you actually do? Exactly. So, yeah. I normally, so normally I would figure out, um, I would look at their hormone levels. And I can, I can actually tell a lot of times just from symptoms, you know, I can tell what kinds of things are out of alignment, but I usually will still run hormone levels. Um, we can do a urine testing and not only will I, I can tell where their hormones are, but I can tell how well they're detoxing hormones. So this is an important piece of the misconception of hormones and cancer. We, we have hormones, women have hormones. We make estrogen, we have testosterone and we have progesterone. 
And we have to detox these through our liver. So if the liver is bogged down by toxins, it's not going to detox it very well. Okay. And if that happens, that's when people start having symptoms. It's a lot about the liver. It is a lot about the liver and the, and the gastrointestinal tract too. After the liver, they go into the intestines and they get removed from the body. But if we don't have normal bowel movements, we're not getting rid of those toxins and we reabsorb them. So having a, a normal bowel movement would be one time, at least minimally one time a day. And um, it's important so that our body can get rid of toxins. Mm-hmm. And that's another one that people are like, I have had a bowel movement one time every three days for my whole life. That's totally normal for me. And I'm like, well, that's normal for you, but it's not healthy. <laughs> it's not normal. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Thank you for these <laughs> clarifications. <laughs> and um, fertility. Fertility. Why oh, women so should seek help on fertility? What's going on? So this is the thing is that fertility actually, you know, we should be thinking about fertility and uh, healthy pregnancy at least three to six months before it even begins. Because moms pass on all of their toxins to their babies. We'll just say a portion. I don't know. We'll say 5% or something. But when women come to me and they say that they want to get pregnant in the next three months, I say, look, to be safe about it, I really would like to detox you. And then maybe in another three months, really work on diet, nutrition, make sure that you have a healthy body composition, like good muscle, low fat. Make sure you're not like pre-diabetic, right? I really want to make you super healthy. And then we'll think about starting to get work on fertility, on getting pregnant. Wow. Yeah, so it is, there's a lot that um, we should really be really super as healthy as we could possibly be prior to even thinking about getting pregnant. Beautiful. Love it. And uh, we're just wondering... Why is it, I don't know if it's nowadays, but it looks like the nowadays is, is much, so much harder to get pregnant and mm. so much easier as well to, to actually just having a miscarriage. Yeah, it's because there's a few, there's so many things. Um, right. sure. But I really feel like the underlying cause is toxins because, I mean, th- there's that piece. There's two pieces. I think it's toxins. We live in a very toxic world now. And I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But the other piece is the stress. We, you know, I really feel like when we think about, I I feel like stress is like the number one killer in this world, Right. right? Because we're undergoing way more stress than anyone did prior to us. True. We work more. We eat poorly. You know, we're not successful or like our productiveness is measured on how busy we are. And that takes a toll on everything, on our reproductive ability, on our mental health, on our ability to um, manage sugars, on our ability to kill our own cancer. We have that ability, but stress is a it is a big burden 
Um, and it definitely affects fertility. You know, women get really caught up in this. I, you know, I don't think people cared about, people wanted to have babies always. That's a part of who we are as, you know, human beings. But we didn't care about it the way we care about it now. Like, I have to have a kid by the age of 25 or by the age of 30. And if it doesn't happen, and I have to get this raise at work, and it has to happen right in between these. I've had women who say, I want to get it. I want to get pregnant between December and January 31st. So that, you know, taxes or time off work. Or, and I'm like, this is crazy. But that's, I think that's why fertility has become such a big issue now. And then the toxic piece, you know, I tell people, you know, the minute you walk out your door, you're bombarded with toxins. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, you should eat organic when it's available and affordable. And even now, we're starting to question like, how organic is the organic stuff? Oh, yeah. Um, of course. The farms are right next to other farms. I've heard horrible stories about like chickens and chicken eggs. Um, you know, the companies are kind of trying to cut corners to just be able to get that organic right. stamp of approval. If we manage this stress and we do our best on what we on what we eat and what we breathe and what we drink as well, especially yeah. water. And um then I think I think the body can actually hold until the end. It's true. It's so true. Like I've seen people be able to turn around what they put in their body <clears throat> and you know reverse diseases, maintain yes. health well yes. into their eighties. Right. Mm-hmm. So great. Thank you for giving us a little bit of what you're doing so who are you when you are not dr laura i am i'm trying to do kind of the same stuff like just take care of my body and my mind and my emotional well-being um i love to exercise so that's kind of my outlet you know i um i work out at home four to five times a week. And then I work out at the gym a couple days a week. And that's like a part of my sanctuary. <laughs> okay. Nice. Um, I like to go out in nature too, like do hikes and visit. Um, I, so we're right by the ocean, so we can visit the ocean, but it's, it's very cold, okay. but it's still nice to be by, you know, a huge body of water that it's, there's something to be said for nature that um, it makes you feel like um, everything's going to be okay. Or it makes you feel grounded, like back on earth. Right. Big mama. Yeah. Which holds us all. And mm-hmm. just say, you know, it's chill. Just relax. Just, just enjoy. Enjoy me. Exactly. Just yeah. enjoy me. Yes, that's true. What impact do you think you will have in the world? Oh, wow. Damn. You know what? I I hope that what I can offer to the world is some sense of um, 
there's a sense of responsibility that we have over our body and our health and responsibility doesn't have to mean like a burden. It could mean that, Hey, I can do this, right? Like I hope that I can inspire people to feel, uh, to feel like they are, have the capability to do this, to take care of their bodies, to feel well again, to, um, yeah, to continue to take care of themselves so that their body can continue to thrive. What are the five things you're grateful for? Mm. I am grateful for, def- I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for my children. I didn't mention those two little critters. I have two kids. Nice. Um, children teach us so much about kind of what you were just saying, you know, like everything's going to be okay. Like we shouldn't take things so seriously and we should enjoy the moment. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for them and I'm grateful for my family and I'm grateful for um, this medicine and I'm grateful for, um, I've had a, you know, a few coaches and mentors on my path. And, um, you know, we all need someone to help us remember who we are or remember our worth and our capabilities. And I'm grateful that I have those people in my life too. <laughs> so this one was meant to be my last question, but I just something came up when you, when you talked about plant medicine so mm-hmm. <laughs> so my next question is what is your take on ayahuasca and this kind of plant medicine? yes have you done ayahuasca yeah yeah i did yeah. yeah um so i believe yeah so i totally think that plant medicine should be utilized in the right um in the right environment and i think it can be so powerful and just like I was saying about the other herbs, it's true about ayahuasca too, right? Like some people, and I think that's why if you go to different regions, they have their own hallucinogenic right. medicine. So I do kind of wonder about like, should everyone be going to South America for ayahuasca, right? Or should, um, like, I wonder if it's the right plant medicine for them. Like, I always wonder, like, I wonder if there's a more traditional plant medicine for wherever you came from, right? Like, I do wonder if there's certain herbs, you know, um, that would help us transition, that would actually fit us better. Um, if, you know, if we were more, yeah, I just wonder if there's certain plants that would fit us better, depending on where we're from. That being said, I think it also matters about what, you're going through because certain plants, you know, for example, um, sometimes I will use, um, I would use like cactus plant for people, Native American people, and they use that traditionally. And I feel like they respond to it better. So I've had people, you know, um, what's the plant? I can't remember, but there's a, there's a cactus plant that's good for diabetes and they use it and it gets better. Uh, no, not peyote, but that's another one. That so that one I think is from South 
Amer uh, it's from South United States, but also Mexico. Okay, right? yeah, Mexico, yeah. Peyote, San Pedro, I think there was another one. This is another one, yeah. There's another one. Yeah. But yeah, I think that that plant medicine could be, it's super transformational in the right setting for the right people, right? Yeah, absolutely. I believe it is. I believe it should not be taken uh, too often as well. Yeah, um, I agree. Because you kind of get a little bit outside the realm of, uh, <laughs> of where you yeah. are. Okay. Reality, right? Yeah, reality. And uh, it looks like when the plant then does the work for you, the whole work for you, or you believe that the plant does the whole work for you, then, you know, kind of becomes an addiction again. Right. Like you have to be, you can't be, because if you're doing it too often, you're almost escaping now. The, the idea is to, to be with the plant, to learn from the plant, and then to take that back to your own life and, and change. That's the, that's where the transformation happens. But if you're in it too long, you're not, you don't have time to come back and do the, do the work and do the transformation. Let the medicine do its work as well. Right. You have right. to, you have to sit with it, but then you have to step away from it and let it do its work. And I really do feel like people need, yeah, I think like, uh, so yeah, I feel like it could be years. You have to really listen to what that means for you, but yeah, letting the medicine do its work. And then when it's time again, stepping back in. I totally agree. And I guess is more or less a little bit like what you're doing in your in your own practice. The the herbs and they helping you. They walk with you. It's not like, you know, like a medicine, strong medicine that comes with comes in and just um does the work. Does the work. Right. So yeah. Yeah, so I completely agree to work with uh, with herbs, plants, but uh, with a certain attitude, let's say. Great. Thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. And mm -hmm. uh, you give us a lot uh, of insights um, about what it is as naturopath, uh, your work and uh, how much beneficial and um, beautiful where people can find mm -hmm. you yes uh, so I am on Instagram at naturopath Laura and then I have a website called naturopathlaura.com and that's spelled n-a-t-u-r-o-p-a-t-h-l-a-u-r-a Okay, so once again, thank you so much, Laura, for oh, being here. Thank you. What an exciting talk. It was it was fun. Grazie. Ciao ciao. Yeah. Take care. Ciao.